All right, hello everybody. This is Nate Johnstone and Paul Anderson. Good evening. And this is Things Christians Want to Know. So Christians, what do you want to know? Well, one of the things that a lot of Christians want to know about, for good reason, is heaven. And we are going to spend some time, this is the beginning of a series, so we'll probably spend a few times talking about heaven. Paul, what do you think about it? I think a lot about it now. I didn't used to. I didn't uh, get too enamored about heaven because pearly gates and golden streets just didn't grab my attention. But not too long ago, I studied something that I'd like to share and it grabbed my attention. So I'm there now and I'm thinking a lot more about it. So let's go for it. If I have something to look forward to in the evening, it helps the day. Mm -hmm. If I have something to look forward to on the weekend, I can get through a difficult week. If I have something at the end of the month that I'm looking toward. Like Christmas. Yeah. Okay. I can handle it. I can handle that month, even though I have some tough times. Or if I have a summer vacation to look forward mm -hmm, to. Mm -hmm. You get my point? Yep. I'm looking ahead, and that helps me today. Tomorrow helps us with today. Everybody knows that. And that's what the Bible attempts to do. But I found myself more taken up with today than tomorrow. And Scripture has a different way of looking at it. Peter said, therefore, set your hope fully on the grace that is coming to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, mm. put all your marbles in tomorrow, and that'll help your today. Fully is a big word. <laughs> fully. Yes. That's a lot. <laughs> yes. That's almost 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if we have the hope, we can cope. Good. So... I'm going to read this passage that really caught my attention and it changed my outlook of heaven. I think we have done a crummy job of selling heaven to people. And so I hope that I can share this and we can talk about it in a way that will really help people to see how to think about tomorrow. Here we go. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. I really like that new earth phrase. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, he will dwell with them, they will be his people, and God himself shall be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. So I use alliteration when it seems pretty natural, and it seemed natural here, so I'm going to give you some R's. 
The first R is recreation. Mm -hmm. New heaven, new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. So, he says, Behold, I make all things new. Like someone said, he's not making all new things, but he's making all things new. So he's, he's renewing the earth, like rebaptizing it. In fact, he spoke about a renewal. He said uh, to his disciples, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones. That's Matthew 19, 28. That excites me, a renewed earth. So you're saying earth isn't going to be destroyed in some cataclysm, and then we go off to wherever heaven is, and that's where we live. Because I think that's a common conception among Christians, that whether it's Armageddon-type stuff or judgment or whatever it is, that the earth's going to be destroyed, maybe in fire. That's a common thing that I've heard people say. And that then we all go to heaven, wherever that is, planet heaven, dimension heaven, um, floaty space in the middle of nothing heaven. Yes, yeah, spiritual heaven. Right, where we float around, yes. like legless, probably, <laughs> like we just sort of float, and there's harps, and there's fluffy clouds, and there's babies in diapers with little bow and arrows. Yes, them. yes. So is are you saying that that is not, in fact, the picture of heaven we get in Scripture? We have over-spiritualized it way too much. I love what Randy Alcorn said about that. He said in his excellent book on heaven, the earth matters, our bodies matter, animals and trees matter, matter matters. That's where I'm at. And so when I think about the new earth, the God who created the Canadian Rockies, Yosemite, and Swiss Alps, he's going to do a great job with recreating. He started there planted a garden. That must have been a beautiful garden. No weeds. And that's another thing. No weeds. No weeds. That is a good thing. Yay, barely. <laughs> I'm trying to grow wildflowers in our yard, and I have a real hard time telling if it's a wildflower or if it's a weed. Hmm. It would be nice to not have to worry about that. Yes, but the, all this talk of uh, physical things in heaven is strange. Um, I don't know when I think about how I grew up thinking about heaven, I don't know that I had a lot of teaching on it. I think a lot of the ideas of heaven kind of came from like cartoons mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and songs and movies. And it, the idea definitely wasn't physical. The idea was heaven is a spiritual place. Yeah. And not only does that not show up in the Bible as the Bible's description, but as I've studied it, I found that that's, concept of heaven is quite unchristian right. it's, it's a it's a greco-roman um understanding it's from greek and roman religion the idea that the physical is bad or at the very least not as good and the goal is to leave the physical behind and the afterlife if there is one most of the philosophers agreed that it was spirit only and not flesh that was the greek understanding and the gnostics were an early Christian cult that were not true Christians, but they took Christianity and perverted it. It was the first big heresy outside of 
Jews and early Christians fighting about the Judeo-Christian stuff of do we do Christians have to be circumcised even if they're not Jews and do Christians have to keep kosher even if they're not Jews those were the first struggles but after that the first big heresy that came was Gnosticism which is alive and well in the church today by the way mm -hmm. and it's the belief that the physical is evil and anything physical is uh, bad music that makes you want to dance is evil because that moves your physical body. It makes you want to move. And that has to be wrong. That mm -hmm. is the flesh. They're misunderstanding what, what Paul means when he says the flesh. Uh, he's not talking about the physical body. He's talking about the old man, the old nature. And this idea that the flesh is bad is, is very problematic. And the Apostle John deals with that heresy of the early church in his gospel and in, and in all his epistles, especially 1 John, is directly pointed against Gnosticism, the idea that the flesh is bad. And that's why John in the first chapter says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the word himself, God himself became flesh, which to Gnostics was the worst possible thing. And this concept, whether it's out of the Gnostics or the Greeks, has really kept in Christianity. It stayed there. We still see it all the time. This idea that our flesh is bad and that in heaven we'll finally escape that yes. and we'll be these floating spirit things. But that's just plain not true. That's, I mean, Paul wouldn't understand what we were talking about if we described it that way. He said, what, are, are you Greeks or are you Christians? Which one? Mm -hmm. I, we're talking about Jesus here. Jesus was resurrected. His physical body was resurrected. He was physical. He was matter. Now he was changed. Mm -hmm. He was made new because he could apparently walk through walls and interesting things like that, which I find really cool. But he also had hands that people could touch, and he ate physical food, and it didn't fall through him like a ghost. And those, what you just mentioned is something that I did not know until I studied this more clearly, because Karis asked me, she said, I sure hope there's going to be food in heaven. That was when she was about seven or eight. And so I looked that up, and uh, let me share a couple things about that. Luke twenty two sixteen. I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. So Jesus plans on eating again. And who's going to be the chef? Isaiah 25 says, On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all people, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. He will swallow up death forever. Now, if he will swallow up death forever, and that's literal, and we know it's literal. Do mm -hmm. you think the sentence before that is literal? I think it is. Yeah. I think there's food. And in our resurrection bodies, we will have food. One other thing, will there be animals? Isaiah eleven six says, the wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. So if there are animals in heaven, and I'm wondering if there are any pets, here's what I think. People ask that a lot. Yeah. Am I gonna get to see Maximus or Chewbacca or Sir Albert Finney when I get to heaven <laughs> who died when I was a kid or whatever. I think Israel is going to meet Lucy in heaven. Mm -hmm. 
his, if, do, his dog. If it takes, yes, if it takes that to give me fullness of joy, you can bank on God doing it for us. I think there will be pets in heaven. I think we might have our own pets that we loved and had to put to sleep. I agree, heaven is physical. It's the new earth. We started with the new earth, and now we're having a renewal to a new earth. We're back to the beginning, really. Yeah. And so heaven isn't so much another destination that we go to as it is the place where God is, maybe. Um, I've been thinking today about the concept of home and what is home. Mm-hmm. You know, as you know, we, we, Sarah was, my wife Sarah was in the Air Force, so we traveled around a lot. My son Andrew lived in about eight different places before he turned six. And some military kids, along with missionary kids and, and other sorts of situations like that where they move a lot, sometimes have that sense of being dispossessed or being vagabonds. And Andrew never really had that and doesn't now. He's 10, almost 11 now. And he doesn't because to him, the concept of home was where mom and dad were. And then when his sister was born, where, where, where his sister was. Like the definition of home was wherever mom and dad are is home. Um, and we, we reinforced that. Mm-hmm. Um, that way, any, wherever we were, sure. didn't matter. Home was where we were. Home is where the family was. And if we think of that, in the same terms, when we think about heaven, home is where God is. Mm-hmm. And whether that's another place that is called heaven or whether that's earth, it's the same thing. It's home. Yeah. It's heaven. And when I read what you're talking about here, it doesn't sound like when we die, we go to heaven, this other place. It sounds like after the judgment, we're on earth. Well, we're on this new renewed earth. This passage that I just read says something very interesting because it's so common for us to think we're going there. And there are scriptures that convey that. I go to prepare a place for you and I'll take you to be with me. But let me read again. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. So instead of us being with God, it says he will dwell with them and they will be his people. So that's a reversal of me going to heaven. God's coming to earth. God's coming to us. That's a wonderful way to look at heaven. God is joining with us. That is very interesting. Yeah. And it, it really adds to the, to the concept of this physical heaven, which I, I want to keep talking about this because I think it's so interesting. And I think this is something that a lot of people really want to know about and maybe don't understand all that well or haven't been taught. Because I think the idea of a fully spiritual heaven is pretty pervasive um, among Christians. The idea that heaven is spiritual and not physical. But, but the reality is, of what we've been talking about with these verses is, Um, At the resurrection of the dead or the resurrection of the just, um, it's called multiple things, but we will actually, our physical bodies will be resurrected like Jesus's was Mm -hmm. at his resurrection. And so we will have physical bodies for eternity Mm -hmm. and presumably they will resemble our current bodies in some way. Um, although it's interesting that Mary Magdalene didn't initially recognize Jesus in the garden of uh, right outside the tomb. He, uh, she thought he was a gardener. 
Now, it, that could be circumstantial. She wasn't expecting to see Jesus, and so maybe she just didn't really look at the person. Maybe he was covered in dirt. I like to think that the first thing Jesus did when he rose from the dead is start digging in the dirt and planting something, <laughs> because that's how the story starts, with God planting a garden. Mm-hmm. And the idea of God planting a garden as soon as he raises from the dead sounds really cool to me. Um, and she said, he's a gardener. So to me, that means he's covered in dirt. Like something made her think he was a gardener and not just a random guy. But he was physical is the point. He could touch the dirt. He could dig. He could, he could eat food. He could touch people, hug people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he had a physical body and therefore so will we have physical bodies. They will be changed. Uh, they will be different in some way or multiple ways than ours are now, but they'll be physical and we'll live in a physical place and we'll have physical things to touch, to eat, to drink. Um, When we lay down our crowns before the lamb in worship, that's a physical thing. That's not a metaphor Mm -hmm. because it talks about getting crowns. You read one of those verses about Paul. And I think this concept is probably not what a lot of people think of when they think of heaven, when they think of the afterlife, when they think of eternity, they don't think physical. And I think that matters. I think it matters. Matter matters. Matter matters. Because it's more tangible. Yes. Because it's not, it was never, yes, that was never exciting to me. To me, even in high school, I remember thinking, after I studied world religions, I remember Mm -hmm. thinking, heaven sounds a lot like nirvana, which sounds super boring. Mm Mm-hmm floating around, doing basically nothing. Yes, we get to worship God, and that's neat. But a 10,000-year worship service floating around in clouds, like, yeah, I don't know. It just didn't do it for me. No. It did not do it for me at all. Me um, and so this idea that, no, it's physical. And the idea that it's like going back to the garden, I think, in some ways. It's remaking the earth and renewing people, recreating us. Mm-hmm. In the way we were originally intended. And we're going to be back on earth as a paradise, like it was always meant to be. And sinless. And made sinless through, through Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, just as we were always meant to be. And that I found really exciting. That was something that I could actually look forward to. And knowing that there are a lot of places on earth, for example, that I won't get to visit in this life. Mm-hmm. But... Presumably, I'll have a lot of time in eternity <laughs> because I'm told that eternity is a long time. It's a long time. I loved your illustration that you used on Sunday. Tell them about the dot. Oh, right. Um, so I preached on Sunday on uh, the concept of rewards, which we might get to in a couple weeks. Um, eternal rewards. And I talked about how our life is eternal. The life we're living right now is just the beginning of our eternal life. Those of us who are in Christ, Scripture is very clear, we have been given eternal life. We will live forever. The concept of death in the Christian sense is not an ending. Death is not an end. It is a door that one walks through from this phase of our eternal life to the next phase of our life, which is the afterlife, heaven, eternity. Uh, but that's what death is. It's a, it's a threshold that we cross through. It's a step. Paul is very clear. He says, absence with the body is presence with the Lord. Mm-hmm. So the moment we die, we are with the Lord in heaven 1.0, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, prior to heaven 2.0 and the new earth, we're in heaven 1.0 with the Lord. And so that's all death is, is it's a, 
It's a transition. It's like um, a chicken that exists in an egg and then it breaks out of the egg. And I think that's a pretty good analogy, honestly, because in the egg, a chicken only sees what it sees in the egg. That's all it knows. And it is positive that that's all there is to the world. The world is this small, cramped, wet, dark egg. And it's misery, and it's suffering, and it's finite resources, and we keep getting bigger, and that's all the world is. And then the chicken cracks out of that egg, and there's this whole immense, unimaginable universe that the chicken, I'm sure, had never thought about before. Probably mostly because he's a chicken. (laughs) The same analogy, of course, could be used to people in the womb. If a person in the womb had the same level of intelligence and sentience that we have now, they would think, this is all there is. Sometimes I hear noises, but that's clearly just noises of, of of the waters that surround us. There is nothing outside the womb. How could there ever be anything outside the womb? No science has ever shown any conclusivity to there being anything outside the womb. We have explored. We have looked for things outside the womb. Outside the womb does not exist. And then we get born. And we experience the outside world and we we learn that we were wrong. And I think that that's what death is. And that's my analogy of our life versus eternity. Is if you write, if you were to draw out our life in the form of a line, you could just draw a line on a piece of paper on a whiteboard, but that line would have to go on forever because mm-hmm. our life is eternal. So right. I would draw a line right here. We're meeting right now in Roseville, Minnesota, which is on the 45th parallel on the Northern hemisphere. And so I would draw that line and it would keep going and it would keep going all the way to Wisconsin <laughs> and through the Great Lakes and to New York and eventually over to Europe and to Russia. And if I drew that straight line, it could continue. And if I, if it was really straight, instead of following the curve of the Earth, it would keep going into space. And it'd go past Saturn and forever. Like, eternity is really far. It's a really long time. Yeah. And so if we were to draw out our life in the form of a line, that line would never end. And our life on Earth, the Earth portion of our eternal life, would be a tiny dot at the beginning of that line. <laughs> so you can just draw a tiny dot and then draw a line going out of that that goes on forever. Our life is very, very short and very small compared to eternity. And I think that perspective is useful. Well, it's so useful because that helps us with what I started with. I'm too enamored by today to think about tomorrow. But if I have something good to look forward to tomorrow, I can handle today. You're saying that today really matters, tomorrow really matters because it's all of eternity as opposed to this small dot. So it makes sense for me to put all my marbles in the kingdom to come. Mm-hmm. It, it makes sense. What we have done, you've already said it, we've over-spiritualized heaven. And I'm going to stop you right there because we're right at about at our time and I don't want to shortchange this topic, which is really important. So we're going to get to that again next week. So if you want to get in touch with us, if you've got questions, even prayer requests, fact-checking, you want to mention something, or if you'd like to suggest a topic that you'd really like us to talk about, um, you can contact us. Paul's website is Pastor Paul Anderson. that's S-O-N, dot com. And I am Pastor Nate Johnstone, and there's an E on the end of that, dot com. 